Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And in this episode, I'm going to explore the history of the unknown soldier. And we're also going to look at the origins of the dog tag and how it relates to the unknown soldier. So come along and join me. So there are unknown soldiers buried in cemeteries across southwest Michigan, and I'm going to go into detail on some of those here in a minute. There are also unknown soldiers in cemeteries across the state of Michigan, and I'm going to try to explore some of those as well. But to begin with, let's take a look at the history of the dog tag. Based on a Department of Defense news article that was written in 2020 called Dog Tag History, I'm going to read you some of that here. We all know what dog tags are. They're those little oval discs on a chain that service members wear to identify themselves in combat. But have you ever wondered how and when that tradition started and why they're called dog tags? We did some research to find the answers. According to the Army Historical Foundation, the term dog tag was first coined by newspaper magnate William Randolph Hearst. In 1936, Hearst wanted to undermine support for Franklin Delano Roosevelt's New Deal, and so he heard that the newly formed Social Security Administration was considering giving out nameplates for personal identification. According to the SSA, Hearst referred to them as dog tags, similar to those used in the military. Other rumored origins of the nickname include World War II draftees calling them dog tags because they claimed they were treated like dogs. Another rumor said it was because the tags looked similar to the metal tag on a dog's collar. Regardless of where the nickname started, the concept of an identification tag originated long before that. And really, the origins came about in the Civil War. Unofficially, identification tags came about during the Civil War because soldiers were afraid no one would be able to identify them if they were dead. They were terrified of being buried in unmarked graves, so they found various ways to prevent this. Some marked their clothing with stencils or pinned on paper tags, Others used old coins or bits of round lead or copper. According to the Marine Corps, some men carved their names into chunks of wood strung around their necks. Those who could afford it bought engraved metal tags from non-government sellers, vendors who followed their army during the war. Historical resources show that in 1862, a New Yorker named John Kennedy offered to make thousands of engraved discs for soldiers but the War Department declined it. By the end of the Civil War, more than 40% of the Union Army's dead were unidentified. To bring that into perspective, consider this. Of the more than 17,000 troops buried in Vicksburg National Cemetery, the largest Union cemetery in the U.S., nearly 13,000 of those graves are marked as unknown. So the outcome of the Civil War showed that Concerns about identification were valid, and the practice of making identification discs caught on. And it didn't become official until much later. The first official request to outfit service members with ID tags came in 1899 at the end of the Spanish-American War. Army Captain Charles C. Pierce 
who was in charge of the Army Morgue and the officer's identification in the Philippines, recommended the Army outfit all the soldiers with the circular disc to identify those who were severely injured or killed in action. It took a few years, but in December 1906, the Army put out a general order requiring aluminum disc-shaped ID tags be worn by soldiers. The half-dollar-sized tags were stamped with the soldier's name, rank, company, and regiment or corps, and were attached to a cord or chain that went around the neck. The tags were worn under the field uniform. The order was modified in July 1916 when a second disc was required to be suspended from the first by a short string or chain. The first disc remained with the body while the second was for burial service record keeping. The tags were given to enlisted men, but officers had to buy them. The Navy didn't require ID tags until May 1917, by then, all U.S. combat troops were required to wear them. Exact size specifications were put in place, and the tags also included each man's Army-issued serial number. Toward the end of World War I, American expeditionary forces in Europe added religious symbols to the tag, C for Catholic, H for Hebrew, and P for Protestant, but those markings didn't remain after the war. During World War I, Navy tags were a bit different than the Army's, made of monel, a group of nickel alloys, as they had the letters USN etched on them, using a specific process involving printer's ink, heat, and nitric acid. If you were enlisted, the etching included your date of birth and enlistment, while officers included the date of appointment. The biggest difference was the etched print of each sailor's right index finger on the back, which was meant to safeguard against fraud, an accident, or misuse. According to the Naval History and Heritage Command, the ID tags weren't used in between World War I and World War II. They were reinstated in May 1941, but by then the etching process was replaced with mechanical stamping. That was with the U.S. Navy. So World War II... You get into the military ID tags, and they became an official part of the uniform after that point. And they became more of the rounded rectangle that we see today, or most people are familiar with. And it was made of a nickel-copper alloy. And they were mechanically stamped with the name, rank, service number, blood type now, and also their religion if desired. An emergency notification name and address were initially included in these, but they were removed by the end of the war. And they also included a T for those that had tetanus vaccination. But by the end of the 1950s, that too was eliminated. So that's an interesting little background history. Dog tags are slightly different today, but they essentially are information about the soldier and the inclusion of their blood type, as well as, you know, their name, their serial number, and that information. But back in the early wars, there wasn't much in the way of identification, as you can imagine. And so there were many soldiers that were killed in battle, and they were unidentified. And that would be on both sides of the conflict in the Civil War as well. You have Confederate unknown soldiers as well that you will come across in southern cemeteries. So in the history of unknown soldiers, most people are mainly familiar with the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier that was established as part of the Memorial Amphitheater in 1921. 
when an American serviceman from World War I was unknown, and so they established the tomb to honor him. It was improved upon in 1931 with a larger monument, and of course today there are guards that guard it 24-7 in Arlington National Cemetery. And so that is what most people are familiar with or think about when you hear the name Unknown Soldier. But what about unknown soldiers around the state of Michigan as well as particularly in southwest Michigan? How many unknown soldiers are there? Well, there's probably a lot more that I'm going to be able to cover here. The ones that I was able to find by searching Find a Grave as well as searching other records that I've come across in my research I'm going to share with you today. So the first one, let's talk about Oak Hill Cemetery in Battle Creek. There's officially two unknown soldiers there. They have two markers. They say unknown or soldier, unknown soldier. And they don't have, I don't believe they have the date of their death on the, on the headstone. I'd have to refer you to one of my videos because it's been a while since I looked at those headstones. But they say unknown soldier on them for sure. And they're both buried side by side. And the story behind them is they were two soldiers that were on a train that came through Battle Creek and they were wounded and they died somewhere en route to Battle Creek and the bodies were offloaded. Their destination was not necessarily Battle Creek. They could have been going to Chicago and changing trains to somewhere else or they could have been going to another part of Michigan. They didn't know. There wasn't um, any identifying marks on the bodies of these two soldiers. So they were offloaded at the train station and they didn't know what to do with them for a while. And eventually a local citizen stepped up and paid for two burial plots at Oak Hill Cemetery. And they were buried. So those two grave markers can be found just north of the post-mausoleum, if you want to search for it. It's like one plot, one or two plots over from that area. You'll find it. They're kind of close to a road um, in the cemetery. And if you look it up on the... Um, find a grave website you can get the exact location of the unknown soldiers plot there so that's the story behind those two now when i was doing some research on ogden green who was a sextant at oak hill cemetery in the course of his lifetime in service and his time of service was probably 40 or 50 years of digging graves and he gave an interview in november of 1898 and in that article I'm going to read you a section of what was written. It says, The saddest portion of the work, as viewed by Mr. Green, was the burial of the poor in the potter's field. No mourners, no flowers, no tears, nothing. In this dismal and sad spot were buried four Union soldiers, three of whom were unknown, the records of their names having been lost. The other was George W. Hayes. So in addition to the two unknown soldiers that are buried at Oak Hill Cemetery that have grave markers, there are three more, according to Ogden Green, that were buried in the section of the cemetery that was referred to as the Potter's Field. And a lot of these old cemeteries had sections that were called Potter's Field that was referred to the section for the poor. And usually the most of those graves had no markers on it. So there's at least five unknown soldiers that we know of buried at Oak Hill Cemetery. If we include the two physical markers and the reference from Ogden Green. 
other areas of southwest Michigan. At Mount Evergreen Cemetery in Jackson, there is an unknown soldier buried there, and his headstone reads simply, Unknown Soldier, 1864. So, of course, we know that he died in the Civil War based on the year. There's no other identifying information about him. Over in the West Olive Cemetery in Ottawa County, at the Olive Township Cemetery, is a unknown soldier with a headstone that reads, In Memory of an Unknown Soldier. And that's all it says on the stone. There's no dates either. It could easily be assumed that it was a Civil War soldier. But it could have been another war earlier than that, like the War of 1812, for example. Perhaps the best way to make that determination is to look at the headstone itself and, and see if there's any surrounding burials around the different time period. And you might be able to narrow it down to what war the person died. I mean, it would be all guesswork, essentially, but as there are a couple of ways that you might find. And of course, checking if there are any burial records in the cemetery archives that would indicate when the person was buried. If the person was buried somewhere between 1861 and 1864, of course we know it's the Civil War. If it was buried at a different date, then you just align it with whatever war conflict was going on at the time. And that's going to be the same with any of these unknown soldier burial sites that I'm going to refer to here. In the town of Pullman, in the Lee Township Cemetery in Allegan County, there are two unknown soldiers buried there, and they have headstone markers that read unknown soldier. In St. John's, Michigan, there's a historic marker placed there for eight soldiers that died at the hospital between 1861 and 1865, and it is a monument to unknown soldiers, and that is at Mount Rest Cemetery in St. John's. Now, St. John's is a little bit more central Michigan, but I included it here just uh, because it's kind of in a rural area. Another one that's a little bit north of the Grand Rapids area is in Chase Township at a cemetery called Pioneer Cemetery in Lake County. There's a pile of field stones laying where there is a grave of a U.S. unknown soldier, and there's no marker there. There are burial records that an unknown soldier was buried there. As to what war it was is not clear. So it could be earlier than the Civil War or it could be a Civil War burial. I did a video on Fort Custer National Cemetery last year. I had to get approval from the cemetery in order to film there because it's a national cemetery. And I did. I went through the process of requesting, and it took a couple weeks to get approval to do a video there. And there is one story of an unknown soldier buried there, and it's an interesting one. The soldier was part of the 102nd U.S. Colored Troops Infantry, and he was originally buried in an unmarked grave or a poorly marked grave up in the Grand Rapids area. Some people found out about it, and they wanted to honor him by having the grave moved to a national cemetery. So in 1986, they contacted Fort Custer National Cemetery and a project was done to move his grave to the national cemetery. And it was done and there was an event that was held with over 600 spectators, many of them were veterans from four different wars. There was a World War I veteran at the time dressed up in a doughboy outfit there were World War II veterans there. There were some Vietnam veterans there. And then there was a Civil War reenactment group 
for the United States Colored Troops 102nd. And they are the ones that lowered him into the grave. They put him in a traditional wooden box that would have been used in the Civil War. And they marked the grave as an unknown soldier. 102nd U.S. Colored Troops as the headstone. And so if you take a tour of Fort Custer National Cemetery, there's a section of the cemetery where there's some upright markers. And there's they all have the uniform same size and they're from the civil war era and he is buried in that parcel where there's a lot of civil war internments there so it's in that area it's not too hard to find if uh, you go into the gates of fort custer there is a kiosk there and it's an electronic kiosk and you can search for it and find the exact location and they give you a little map or something that you can print out so you can get to it so it's a very user-friendly uh, cemetery when going into a national cemetery, at least the one at Fort Custer is. So that's an interesting story there, and that was quite a, a big story, and that came out in an article in November 12, 1986. So in other parts of the state, there are unknown soldiers buried. I'm going to go over a list here of ones that I came across um, searching on Find a Grave in Michigan, and there's probably more. Not all of them get put into Find a Grave, so you may very well know of or have heard of unknown soldiers buried in local cemeteries in your community. And as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, 40% of the Union soldiers that were killed in the Civil War, just on the Union side, were unidentified, which is really a staggering number when you come to think of it. But in Ashton, Michigan, in Osceola County, there is the Ashton Cemetery, and there's two unknown soldiers buried there. One of them is just a rock, and you'll have it has a uh, flag next to it. And then there's an unknown soldier buried there with a headstone marker that reads simply "unknown soldier," and there's no dates on his tombstone. In Lakeside Cemetery in Port Huron, which is in St. Clair County, there's an unknown soldier, and what's marked on his headstone is number 75, unknown soldier, and there's no dates. In Morgan Cemetery in Wheatland Township, Macosta County, there's an unknown soldier there, and his headstone reads, Unknown Soldier, U.S. Army. Once again, there's no dates on that one. In the Oxford Cemetery in Oxford over in Oakland County, there's a unknown soldier, and his headstone is simply marked, Unknown Soldier, with no dates. Over in Mount Hope Cemetery in Lapeer, over in Lapeer County, there's an unknown soldier, and his headstone has a lot more details on it. It says, He was born on 4 August, 18. 1942. He died 19 October 1864 at age 22 in the Battle of Cedar Creek, Virginia, and he was part of Company F Michigan Cavalry, which is kind of surprising. They had all that information on him, but they didn't know his name. But that's uh, an unknown soldier there at the Mount Hope Cemetery. And then Warren Township in Coleman, Michigan, there's the Warren Township Cemetery in Midland County. And there's a tomb of the unknown soldier that reads, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier on it, rest in peace. And then over in Detroit, there's Woodmere Cemetery, in, and that's over in Wayne County, of course. And there is a section 
that has four unknown soldiers from the War of 1812. And one of the headstones reads, Unknown Soldier, Ohio Militia, War of 1812, Died 1813. The conflict of the War of 1812 went from 1812 to, I believe, 1814, maybe early 1815. So that's an interesting one, that there's four from the War of 1812 buried in that cemetery. In Chelsea, over in Washtenaw County, there's the Oak Grove Cemetery, and there's an unknown soldier buried there. No dates on his headstone. In McBain, Michigan, there is Mount View Cemetery, and the headstone there reads, Civil War Veteran, here rests in honored glory an American soldier known but to God. And he is one of two that's buried in Mount View Cemetery. And then finally, in Mackinac City, over in Emmett County, there's Lakeview Cemetery. And there's one there with a much larger and newer monument that was installed by the U.S. Veterans American Legion. And it reads, An Unknown Soldier Known But to God. So that's some of the history of unknown soldiers, burial places in Michigan and the ones that are in southwest Michigan, along with some of the history of dog tags and the history of the unknown soldier and why they were unknown. In later wars, the unknown soldier numbers went down considerably. There were still unknown soldiers in the Korean conflict and unknown soldiers in World War II and also in, in Vietnam. And with future wars, they now have DNA testing that has enabled them to identify soldiers. So in the future, you'll probably see less and less of unknown soldiers coming out of any conflict around the world or at least around in the United States because the technology is there to identify them. Plus, dog tags have been in place, which reduced the incidents of unknown soldiers tremendously over the years since those were fully introduced into the mainstream as part of the uniform after World War II. So I find it a fascinating history, and it's also very sad to know that there are so many unknown soldiers from earlier wars prior to World War I. And just to think about how many families from the Civil War never knew what happened to their loved one that went off to war and never were able to identify their final resting place. It kind of makes you think about uh, the whole magnitude of that conflict and the impact it had on that whole generation of people that not only lived through it, but but went on with life in the aftermath, the widows, the orphans, and the other relatives of the fallen soldiers that really had no closure. But that's going to do it for today's journey through history on tales of Southwest Michigan's past. If you like today's episode, share the podcast with other people. Share links if you've discovered this on social media and encourage other people to listen to it. I have well over 50 episodes at this point. In fact, this episode is somewhere in the 60s as I record it. And of course, leaving a review on whatever podcast application you are listening on helps people find the podcast even more when they're searching for something to listen to out there. And of course, the more we all know about history, the more we can learn the lessons from the past and perhaps apply some of those lessons to the present day and create a better future. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. 
I'm always happy to hear from you. And if you'd like to support the work that I'm doing here, there's a couple of links on there. You can make a direct donation to the work that I'm doing, or you can buy a t-shirt or a sweatshirt through my merchandise store. There's a button at the top of that website that says shop. So feel free to avail yourself of that stuff. And until next time, when we take another journey into the past, thanks for listening. Thank you.